Let's go to the Word of God, John chapter 1. We're talking about receiving the unearned, undeserved gift of grace. And this is John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of His only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, from His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Just notice that it's not grace versus truth, it's grace and truth. And I wouldn't really say versus the law, but I would say there is a, there's, a, there's a new day happening. There was Moses and the law, and that day is ending, and now there's grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And so we never, com- we never put grace versus truth, ever. Grace and truth are the new way in which God deals with his people. He used to deal with his people through the law, no longer. Now it's grace and truth. And that is super good news. Uh, All the way down from just the fact that I'm wearing uh, different materials right now. And under the law, you had to wear all one material. I've got a little silk on, praise the Lord. I'm just feeling a little, just feeling a little, I don't know, it's... All the, you know, I got some cotton on, I got some not, whatever this thing is. I, I don't know what this is made out of, but we're, 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 we're and, and that makes people really nervous. Are we free from the law? Well, we're, we're free from the 613 Mosaic commands that were to a nation. And we now live under the law of faith, the law of Christ, the law of the spirit and life, which is way beyond just having to follow rules and do's and don'ts, we now hold the hand of the Holy Spirit and walk in the power of God's word and walk in the power of a relationship with God. It's amazing and it's free and it's awesome. And so I'm not really going to go into the law today, but we will get there starting next week. We're really going to dissect what the law is, what it isn't, and how it applies to us today. But I want to I take on this, uh, this grace again and... Um, so let's pray and let's believe that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to us. I, I pray I'm, I'm preaching you just nervous enough that it makes you come back for more because you're like, oh, are you sure, Javen? Ah, oh, what, but, 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 but. That's your flesh resisting the unearned, undeserved grace of God. And you need it. And so I hope you come back every week because every week we'll build. And as I said last week, grace will ultimately find its fullest expression in faith. So we're going to get there, but we're being patient to get there. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Philip Yancey again said, grace is this, nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you as much as he can. And can I just tell you, he loves you a lot. Amen. God doesn't change his mind. You know, we change our mind about God a lot. Yep. God doesn't have bad days. God doesn't have hot and cold days. If we could pick the proverbial flower, it would be he loves me, 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 he loves me. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less or more. He loves you as much as he can, and he can love a lot. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. 
It is not divine empowerment or divine enablement. It is unearned, undeserved grace. That's what it literally means from the Greek language, the Greek word charis, unearned, undeserved gift of grace. Does it enable you? Sure. Everything God does in your life, he does by a gift of grace. If God heals you, it's by grace. If he empowers you, it's by grace. If he provides for you, it's by grace. Anything God does for you, in you, through you, with you, he does by the gift of grace. It's grace. It's grace. Grace is God's love in action. And so grace is not the ABCs of the gospel that we learn in the early days and then move on to deeper things. No, grace is the A to Z of the gospel because grace is a person and his name is Jesus. Yeah. So we don't grow beyond grace, we grow in grace. We don't mature from grace, we mature in grace. So let's get into some new stuff now. Point number one, the grace of Jesus is the glory of Jesus. Did y'all come to learn tonight? Okay, we shouted, so no more shouting. Okay, now we're learning. <laughs> Well, we might shout by the end. The, great, the, the, the glory of Jesus is the grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus is the glory of Jesus. What is the glory of God? Grace. What is the grace of God? His glory. John 1.14, we've seen his glory. We've seen it. We've experienced it. We've felt it. We've handled it. What is his glory? It's this, full of grace and truth. The glory of God is the grace of God. So what is the glory of a thing? It's the thing a person wants to be famous for. The glory of a king or of his kingdom is the thing he wants to be known for in the land. And the thing that Jesus wants to be famous for in your life is grace. It's his glory. The glory of Jesus is grace. The, the glory of a thing is the truest expression of who they are. You, you, you squeeze that toothpaste uh, tube and toothpaste comes out, yeah? <laughs> I hope. <laughs> you squeeze Jesus, grace comes out. <laughs> this is grace. Grace is the glory of God. Grace has a name. His name is Jesus. It is, it is the truest expression of who God is. You don't go to an apple tree for carrots because the glory of an apple tree is apples. It's the whole reason it's here. And when you go to Jesus, you get grace because it's who he is. It's his glory. And notice that the Bible said grace and truth. Now, preachers, again, they want to make this at odds. Well, it's not just grace, glory to God. We need truth too. We need to preach the truth. Glory to God, praise God. We need more truth in the house of God. Glory to God, praise God. I don't know who I'm channeling right now, but as if grace and truth are in odds. No, they're not. I wouldn't even say they're this, I wouldn't even say they're they're two sides of the same coin. Even that doesn't work. The truth is you need grace. And the truth is, God has it available for you. That's the truth. The, the truth of the gospel is, no matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you are, you need grace. That's the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is, Jesus has grace available. That's grace and truth. It's not grace versus truth. It's grace and truth 
are the new way in which God treats his people, no longer by the law. Romans 8 would say, oh man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, Lord. Romans 8 would say what the law was powerless to do. Jesus has done. The law can't change you. It can, it can teach you. It can show you. But it cannot lead to heart transformation. Only grace can do that. Grace. So now Moses prays a prayer in the book of Exodus chapter 3. And I want you to see it. This Exodus chapter 3 verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. And if you're raised like me in a charismaniac house, the glory of God was fire or maybe even a glory cloud. Like, you know, that was awesome on a humid day. You know, the ACs kind of kick in and, oh my God, it's the glory cloud. No, it's just the air conditioners. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're really lucky, a pigeon gets into the AC vents and you start getting some, you know, feathers, you know. Oh, it's the glory uh, I grew up with all that. I grew up like trying to see oil in our hand, you know, like, oh, the glories, you know, trying to see gold dust, like whatever it took, you know, white makeup off. Oh, there's the gold dust. You know? I'm not even, I'm not even necessarily teasing any of that. Cause maybe that could happen. My, what I am saying though, all the charismatics, all the, all the charismatics are like so offended right now. You're like, That's not the glory. And we're, we're, we're praying for a manifestation. But the glory of God is not a manifestation. It's the deepest, weightiest part of who God is. Glory is a Hebrew word, kabod. It, means, it literally means weight. It's the center of God's gravity. <laughs> It's what gives him weight in our life. Now, those manifestations may be God's presence or God's anointing, but God's glory is not a cloud or fire or a manifestation. God's glory is the deepest thing. It's the core of who God is. Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see what you're famous for. And God says, I will make my goodness pass before you. Uh, people have thought that when Moses asked to see God's glory, God said no. He didn't say no. He said, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm just not going to show you my face because if you see my face, you'll die. Uh, by the way, good news, New Covenant, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, us with unveiled faces see God's glory in his face. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So under the old covenant, you could experience God's glory, but you couldn't see his face. But under the new covenant, we see his face. Oh man, this is good news. And we don't die because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus. So with unveiled faces, we now get to see him face to face. Oh, this is awesome. So, so, so here's, here's what the glory of God is. Number one, it's his goodness. Number two, he said this, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. That's God's name. God's name is not God. God's name is the Lord. Hebrew, Yahweh or Jehovah. The name of the Lord is Yahweh God. 
A part and expression of God's glory is his name. That's why before Jesus left the earth, he said, okay, Father, I'm going back to heaven and I'm giving the disciples my name, John 14, 15, 16, 17. And so, God, so Jesus gives us his name as a power of attorney. Glory is weight. If you go to the devil in your name, your name carries no weight in the spirit. But when I go against sickness, when I go against addiction, when I go against disease, when I go against sin, when I go against cycles, and I say, in the name of Jesus, there's, there's weight. There's weight in the spirit. Why? Because it's part of his glory. We have the name of Jesus. So the glory of God is the goodness of God. The glory of God is the name of God, Yahweh, or Jesus. The glory of God is next, and I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, grace. Isn't that what John just said? We've seen his glory full of grace. And I will show mercy, mercy. So the glory of God is his goodness, his name, his grace, and his mercy. Not judgment, wrath holiness, death, war, e even, under the, even under the Old Testament, God is saying, this is who I really am. And I'm gonna show you next week why God dealt so harshly with people under the Old Covenant. It's because the, the initial invitation of God, I don't know why I'm talking about all this, but it's Sunday night, so I'm supposed to talk about it next week. The initial invitation of God was come up to the mountain. And the people said, we don't wanna go. Moses, you go for us. And we'll do whatever God tells us to do. And God went, oh, so you don't want relationship? You want, you want do's and don'ts? Cool, I'll give you a law. It was never the plan of God. The plan of God was come to the mountain and hang with me and talk with me and love me and know me. But the people said, we don't want God. Moses, you go do the God thing and we'll do pride. We'll do whatever God tells us to do. And God said, so he gave them the law in response. That was never the intention of God. The intention of God was face to face on the mountain. Glory. And we're going to get back to that because we get back to that under the new covenant. So on the day that the law was given, what happened? Death hit the camp and 3,000 people died. But what happened the day that the spirit was given and the church was birthed? 3,000 people were saved. Under the old covenant, when people said, we'll do this ourselves," God said, all right, good luck with that. And 3,000 3, people died. But on the day of the birth of the church, what happened? People said, how do we get saved? If we can't save ourselves, Peter. How do we get saved? And he said, believe on Jesus. And 3,000 people were saved. Try to do this on your own, it'll lead to death. But you let grace take over, it'll lead to life. Grace and mercy. So mercy means I don't get what I do deserve. But grace means I do get what I don't deserve. Huh. Let me try to break it down again. Grace, excuse me, mercy cancels my debt. Grace makes me rich. Huh. You know, I've canceled people's debt before who owe me money. And I've just 
let it go and I've been merciful and not taking them to small claims court. You know what I'm saying? Like just, <laughs> Mitch, you actually taught me that. He said, if you can't afford to give it away, don't loan it. And so anyway, see this guy, you got to come on Tuesday night. See here, this guy, it's good. And so, uh, so he, uh, uh, you know, loaned someone a thousand bucks. They don't pay you back. And I go, I'm going to show mercy. Don't give it, you know. That's mercy. Grace would be, hey, I noticed you didn't pay me back. You obviously probably need it. So here's all my banking information. Take as much as you want. (laughs) I've never shown grace. (laughs) Ain't nobody got my banking information except my wife. So mercy cancels the debt, but grace makes me rich. God says, not only are you forgiven, you're part of the family. Romans 8, you're now an heir of God, co-heir with Christ. Everything Jesus gets, you get. And Jesus is not broke. Jesus doesn't deal with sin. Jesus doesn't live in constant bondage. Jesus is not sick. And as he is, 1 John, so are we in the world. Okay, I'm getting too ahead of myself, sorry. Number two, grace frees me from performance. Grace frees me from performance. You don't have to be a tryhard. <laughs> Just be free. Just relax. I said it last week. Grace gives us the ability to exhale. I was watching this kid at the beach one day, and he was throwing rocks into the ocean. Well, he was trying. And this little kid, four or five years old, had a rock. And I mean, the ocean's right here, y'all. Literally almost hit me as I'm watching him this way. (laughs) Throws up. It's the same. He was trying so hard. And I thought, just get your feet a little wet. Just drop it. I know so many people that are just so tired. Because they're trying so hard. They're trying to impress people. They're trying to impress God. They're trying to live up to expectations they put on themselves that the Holy Spirit never put on them. Hello. And grace frees you from performance. It doesn't make you lazy, but it does make you easy. There's an ease. There's a rhythm. There's a pace. I may not be where you're at, but that's okay because I'm I'm in my pace. I, I may be farther along than you, but I'm not going to judge you. I'm in my pace. I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Grace sets me free from performance. And so Colossians 1.22 says this, yet now he has reconciled you to himself. Reconciled is a word we don't use anymore. It literally means to be brought back to a former glory. What are we being brought back to? We're being brought back to God's original intent for man, which was Adam and Eve walking in the garden in the cool of the day without sin. Because of Christ, we're now reconciled, we're brought back to our original state of glory. Through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Okay, now this is where it gets really challenging, as if the other part wasn't. You are holy and blameless and you stand before God without a single fault. 
and you're like, yeah, but I know what I did this week and it wasn't wholly blameless or without a single fault. And you stand before God that way, not necessarily before people because you, you, you can't be a jerk to your wife and then go, babe, I'm holy and blameless. And stand before you without a single fault. No, no, no. You, you can't rob a bank and tell the cops, no, uh, officer, I'm holy and blameless and I'm standing before you without a single fault. No, you stand before God without a single fault. The reason integrity matters, we're going to get there, but the reason integrity matters is because I need what's happened with me and Christ to happen with you and me. Yes. And we'll get there. But so, so that's who I am in Christ. My spirit man is alive in God and I am wholly blameless without a single fault. That's where I'm at with God. But my body and soul are playing catch up. So I need now my body and soul to catch up to what God has already done for my spirit. How, how do I do that? Now, I said that last week, but now I'm gonna tell you how to do it, verse 23. Continue to believe this truth. What truth? That you're wholly blameless and stand before him without a single fault. You continue to believe that. In other words, you start renewing your mind to that. You believe and believe again and believe and believe again and believe and believe again and believe and believe again. You stand firmly in that truth. What truth? That I'm wholly blameless without fault. You don't drift away from the assurance. What assurance? That you're wholly blameless without fault. And notice you receive it. You don't earn it. You don't buy it. You don't purchase it. You receive it. You just, I'm wholly blameless without fault. So every time you're tempted, you begin to pray. Father, I thank you that I'm wholly blameless and without fault. Every time you're watching your friends doing something crazy and you're, you got FOMO and, and you want to go, but you know you're trying to live right and you're trying to honor God and you, you just put your phone down, you begin to pray, Lord, I just thank you. I'm holy, I'm blameless, I'm without fault. Every time everyone else is doing crazy things at the office, and, but you know God is leading you to a higher level, Lord, I just thank you. I'm, I'm holy, blameless, and without fault. And you begin to believe and receive this word over and over again till your, till your life begins to follow it. Because Romans 6 said, we are dead to sin. Okay. That's, that's who I am in the spirit, but I now need to train my mortal body, my members, and remind my body and my soul that I'm dead to sin. Yeah. You know, dead people don't sin. Do you all know that? Dead people don't sin. You're never going to go to a funeral and there's a dude there in the casket and a beautiful woman comes to the casket to pay her respects and that dude just goes. Hey girl, what you doing after this? Morbid. But I think you get the point. He's dead. I, I, don't, I don't care if he was the biggest pothead in Vegas. He's dead. And even if a homie goes to pay his respects and he's there, hey man, hey, you, can, I, can I get a hit real quick? No, 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 he's, he's dead. Can I tell you, when you came to Christ, you're dead to sin. Your spirit is. But now you're having to tell your body and your soul, hey, you're holy, you're blameless, you're without fault. And now over a process, your body, your soul comes into alignment with what the Spirit of God is doing. And it takes time. And there's grace for it. But I'm just telling you, that's who you are. 
And when you believe that and you receive that and you confess that and you walk in that, it frees you from performance because you're not becoming holy, becoming blameless. One day we'll stand before God without a single fault. No, you are. It's done. And it gives you the ability to exhale. A performance mentality with God never leads to anything good. Here's why. Because when you're doing bad, you think you owe God. We better get to church early. You know, I had a bad week. We better get, I, I got to pray before worship starts. I just got to go get my seat and pray. I just got to make sure that I'm good with God before I, <laughs> I better put a few more bucks in the offering this week because uh, you think you owe God. Like, oh man, I better read, I better read some more scriptures. You know what? I'm going to read Leviticus. I'm going to show God I'm really serious. I'm really, <laughs> <laughs> When you're doing bad, you think you owe God. But here's what's even scarier. When you're doing good, you think God owes you. Be free from all that performance. Here's how to live in grace. When, on the, when I'm on the mountaintop, I thank God for grace and favor. When I'm in the valley, his grace is sufficient and his power is working and it's being perfected in my weakness. So no matter if I'm really low or really high, I stay, I stay centered in grace. Y'all hear me? I stay centered. So my emotions aren't... I stay centered because I have grace. So in Matthew 20, there's this crazy story of um, this master, and it's Jesus. Jesus is telling the story. And here's what, here's what he says uh, before we get to that text. I'll give you the setup real quick. He, um, he tells this story about people that he's paying to do a job. So he goes to the first person, he goes to Brandon. He says, hey, Brandon, I want you to work for me today, and I'm going to pay you this amount. Brandon goes, that's great. Thank you so much. And then about four hours later, he realizes there's some more work to be done. He goes, hey, Jeff, I need you to do some more work. And, and Jeff says, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And so uh, Jeff agrees to the same amount Brandon agreed to, but he's going to work less. And then... He goes to Amber and he says, hey, Amber, uh, I only got an hour left, uh, but I want you to work this last hour as well. I'm going to pay you. And he pays, he's going to pay Amber the same amount as he's paying Jeff and Brandon. So now the Bible says that at the end of the day, it's time to pay up. And he goes in front of all of them. He doesn't start with Brandon. The Bible says he starts with the person who worked the last hour. <laughs> Jesus is... A little sneaky right now, because he's setting Brandon up, because he's going to work on his soul. So he goes to Amber, and he goes, hey, I know you worked an hour. Here's your pay. And he pays Amber a full day's wage. And Brandon starts rejoicing, because he goes, if he paid that girl for one hour, what's he going to pay me? God's going to provide Jehovah Jireh. Do you know what happens? He goes to Jeff and pays Jeff the same thing. And then he goes to Brandon and pays Brandon the same thing. And the Bible says the guy who worked all day is ticked. Isn't it amazing that when life is going good, we say, favor ain't fair. Hey. <laughs> and when life's going tough, we go, favor isn't fair. How do we lose all our swag? How do we go from ain't to isn't? <laughs> favor ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
all of a sudden, favor isn't fair. I don't know. Because <laughs> it isn't. Jesus goes on to say, the first will be last and the last will be first. So here's, here's his response to the guy who worked all day, verse 13. The landowner replied, friend, I'm not being unfair. I'm doing exactly what I said. Didn't you agree to work for the standard wage? If I want to give those who only work for an hour equal pay, what does it matter to you? It's none of your business. What God is doing in another person's life is none of your business. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Why should my generosity make you jealous of them? See, the right response should have been, thank you, Jesus. I'm just glad to be working for you. <laughs> like, I'm just glad to be in the field. I'm just glad that we're connected on any level. I'm, ju I'm just glad to be a part of the journey. And so I'm not, I'm not gonna get caught up with what you're doing with other people and for other people and in other people's lives. I'm just glad that on any level you are dealing with me. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's kingdom. And I'm saying when you really understand grace, you're just grateful to be a part. So... Um, Grace sets me free from self-righteousness and grace sets me free from self-condemnation. I've, uh, I've been working out. <laughs> Subtle flex. And so uh, <laughs> I've, been, uh, I've, been, I've been hitting this thing. It's called the assault bike. It should be called an insult bike because it's insulting what it does to you. It's terrible. So like, you know what the regular exercise bike, this is like what the CrossFitters do. You know what I mean? They ate three pounds of bacon this morning, covered in mayo and an avocado. You know, they're on keto. Keep calm, keto. You know what I'm saying? I'm in ketosis, you know, those guys. And they go get on this thing. You know, their hands are all blistered up and they're like, hey man, we're gonna go hit the assault bike. You ready? You know, that's them. <laughs> like I'm trying to do Pilates. You know what I'm saying? Like. I'm just trying to stretch a little. It's about as far. I'm good, you know? Like, that's me. That's my workout. <laughs> and so, but I've been hitting this thing because there's a, a guy in our church, Anthony, he's a trainer. He said, hey, go hit the assault bike and do, do 20 second intervals. And you go 20 seconds as hard as you can. You literally burn out on these things. And then you take a break. And you take a minute break. And then you burn out again. And you do that five times. And I'm like, easy. <laughs> because I had never been on it. <laughs> like the moment I sat down, I'm like, ah, right? Like, so you got more padding, you know what I'm saying? It's like killing me. But I get on and I do my, I do my first 20 seconds and I'm literally dizzy. My whole body begins to shake. And I'm like, they drugged me, they drugged me. They're, something drugged me, somebody drugged me. There's drugs in the bike. But all of a sudden, I look over, and there's this older lady, and she's on one. 
And she's like, here. Just chilling. She ain't breaking a sweat. She's like checking her Facebook, you know, like just like. And what do I do? Because I'm a good man of God. I start judging her. And I just stare at her. What are these people even doing up here in the CrossFit gym? Like I've worked out once in the last 17 years, right? And I'm like full on judging. I just learned what an assault bike was four minutes ago. And now I'm judging this lady. And little slow Susie's there just. So I roll my eyes and I just do another 20 seconds. Like staring at her. I got my city light hoodie on. And she's in. And I'm like, God, oh, what a loser. And I'm feeling so good because I am fully judging her. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I okay? I love when I like, get too real and you guys go, oh. He's a preacher. He's not supposed to. Okay. I'm not supposed to be human. Cool. So, anyway, that's for you guys. And so humanity's for the other people. So um, I'm feeling so good. But then all of a sudden, like we go from slow Susie, Keto Ken walks in. I'm telling you, he had so many muscles, he could barely walk. He was like, what's up, bro? And I'm like, what's up, bro? He's like, ready to get it in today? You ready to get it in? I'm like, I don't know what that means. This is the first time I've been in the gym as an adult. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, you get your pre-workout, pre-workout. I'm like, what? He like had a smoothie with, you know, he's keto. It's like mayonnaise and bacon and avocado and espresso. You know, he's like, ah, la, la, la. And I'm like, yeah, I had a Trenta Frappuccino. Does that count? I had a vanilla bean Frappuccino with extra whip. Does that, caramel sauce around the side, does that work? And so, and Keto Ken gets on that thing, y'all. And he starts murdering that bike. I mean, just, and they create, they create wind. There was like a tornado in the gym, like, all of a sudden, the eye of the tiger fills the whole gym. And I'm like, where is that music coming from? And Keto Ken goes, from my soul. And I felt this big from absolute self-righteous judgment at slow Susie to Keto Ken making me question if I'm even a man anymore. Like, just. And my set takes about seven minutes because it's 20 seconds and then a minute off and 20 seconds. I walked out of that thing seven minutes later and Keto Ken never stopped. I mean, just, just crushing, just sweat, just, I mean, he's just killing it. And I hate him. I don't know who he is. I invited him to church. Some Mormon church down the road. No, just kidding. 
right. I'm just kidding. I was just teasing. That was a lie. That was a lie. That was a lie. And so I, I couldn't resist. I went from, I went from feeling so good to feeling so small. And listen, both are not healthy. But we live there. So we'll, we'll find people that are doing worse than us so we can feel good about ourselves. Well, at least I'm not doing that. I mean, can you believe? Can you believe what they watch? But then we're also beating ourselves up because we're not nearly as far along in the journey as other people. And neither are healthy. And instead, what you have to do is you have to look straight ahead at Jesus, look at him face to face and say, thank God I'm on the bike. Thank God I'm in the field. Thank God I'm on the journey. And I may be a little further along than you and I'm not gonna judge you. And I, and I may not be as far along as you, but I'm not gonna beat myself up because I'm on a walk with God. And I'm finding my pace of grace. And, I, and I'm not going to let social media tell me where I should be. And I'm not going to let culture tell me where I should be. And I'm not going to let other people tell me where I should be. I'm going to listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to stay right in grace. Because grace frees me from performance. Lastly, grace leads to true worship. True worship. I promise you, as we, as we continue this series, I, I believe that our worship is only gonna get louder and louder and louder because the, the more we hear this, the more we'll understand this is so not about us, it's so about him. And I can, I can already, I believe, I can hear the song rising in our church because when you truly respond correctly to grace, it only leads to one thing, it leads to worship. Grace leads to true worship. So look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. A heavy scripture, an intimidating scripture. I'd even say it's a sobering scripture, but don't let it, don't let it bring you into fear because it's not a fearful scripture, but it's sobering. And there's a difference. And, uh, let me have the keys come. Anyone who builds on that foundation, time out, that foundation is Christ. Paul is talking about people who are building their life on the solid rock of Jesus, okay? This is believers, Christians, okay? I just want to set the, the stage here. I'm building my life. You're building your life. I'm building my life. We are building our life. And as believers, we're building our life on the foundation of Christ. But now building our life, we can use a variety of materials. Look, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, Stop real quick. There is a judgment day. We will stand before God. And we will give an account for what we've done. We're not giving an account for our salvation because we're already on the foundation of Christ. What we're going to give an account for is motive. On judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show off a person's work if it has any value. If the work survives gold, silver, precious stone, that builder will receive a reward. A reward, excuse me. Because see, when you put gold, silver, and precious stone in heat, it only gets more pure. 
But if the work is burned, wood, hay, stubble, if it's burned, the builder will suffer a great loss. The builder will be saved, but this is Christians. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I, I do not want to go enter into heaven smelling like barbecue. <laughs> and this isn't a literal fire. Don't, you know, don't be, don't, again, don't freak out. It's, it's, God's talking about judging motive here. But here's what happens. What we've done for Christ with a pure heart is gold, silver, precious stone. Every time this worship team shows up at 6 a.m. and rehearses and gives their talent to the Lord and to this church and, and they do it not, not to be seen and not to be famous and not for money, they do it to be a blessing to you. That's gold, that's silver, that's precious stone. Every time someone goes out there and they park cars and they help people find a parking lot, a spot and, and come June, July, August and it'll be 110 degrees outside and they're doing that for the Lord and, and that God says that's gold, that's silver, that's precious stone and every time you, you write your tithe check, Dad and every time, single mom, you give sacrificially to the Lord and every time you drag your teenagers to church as they're kicking and screaming but you know you're trying to be a man of God and you know you're trying to raise your family in the house of God God says that's gold, that's silver, that's precious stone in other words, see Gold, silver, and precious stone is all found under the earth. It's motive. It's hidden. I'm not doing it to be seen. I'm not doing it to be praised by you. I'm not doing it for an Instagram shout out. I'm not doing it so that people will praise me. I'm doing it for God. Only God can see what's, a, what's beneath the ground. But there are those who will do the same looking things, but they do it wood, hay, stubble. They do it above the ground. They do it to be seen. They do it with impure motives and God says, all that stuff's gonna get burned up. You don't, you don't do this for you, you do it for me. But whatever we did for God and with a pure heart, here's what God says, he will reward us with what? With gold, silver, and precious stone. Now, now just stop for a second. This whole thing is by grace. God in his grace allows us to serve in his field. He then rewards us for doing what we could not do anyway. He raises us from the dead. We honor him for doing it. And then he rewards us for honoring him. Are y'all hearing this? This is amazing. Mercy paid the debt, but grace made me rich. And now he's going to hand us a crown. And can I just tell you what we're going to do with the crown? <laughs> we're going to hold the crown. And then we're going to look at Jesus. Then we're going to hold the crown and we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to hold the... And I promise you, I promise you, I, 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 I'll bet you a million dollars. Not one of us will wear that crown in heaven. Because when we see the King and we finally understand grace... 
we're going to do this. Revelation 4, verse 10. And they lay their crowns before the throne. And they will say, you are worthy. Because when you really understand grace, it doesn't lead to sin. It doesn't lead to laziness and it doesn't lead to self-centeredness. It leads to worship. It leads to worship. It leads to generosity. It leads it leads to security. It leads to freedom from jealousy and gossip. Sin no longer has power because of the grace of God. So in 1861, a writer wrote these lyrics. And maybe you've heard verse one and I think we'll sing verse one, but can I just show you verse two real quick? Because it's written right out of this text. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee. Here it is. Casting down their golden crowns around the glass. Understand. Say holy, holy. Lift your hands. Let's sing, Lord God Almighty. We say, Lord God Almighty. Early in. our crowns around casting them down 
is I'm just glad to be in the field. <laughs> and I know that's so, um, I, think, I think, especially like for people on the front row here who, who serve so much, that can sound so uh, like, yeah, Jay, I get it, bro, but you're the senior pastor. Because <laughs> I think it can sound so cheap for me to say, I'm just like, I'm like legit just glad to be saved. <laughs> and it can kind of be like, well, yeah, but you've got, but you got all this and you got, but I was glad before I had all this. You take all this away and I'll still be glad. God isn't going to take it away. I'm just saying, I, I'm just, this was me. This was me at 15 and 16 and, and before anybody knew me and I'm on my face and I'm crying out to God and I'm saying, God, use my life for your glory. Before any of this, before we had the house or the car or the kid or the, or the ministry or the Instagram or the money or all that, before any of that, I was just a kid who said, God, here's my crown. Do something with my life. And can I tell you the prayers I prayed 20 years ago, I'm still praying today. Because I'm, I'm, I'm actually for real, for real, for real. I'm just glad to be here. Like no one is more surprised than me, I promise you. And I have my struggles and I have my issues. But I promise you, I'm just as shocked as anybody. <laughs> and I want to stay right there. I'm staying right there. I want you to stay right there. Because that's where the joy is. Because I'm not obsessed with who's on this bike or on this bike. I'm just glad I'm on a journey. Just glad I'm in the field. I don't know what you're getting paid. I don't know what you're getting paid. I don't know what God's doing with you or what's doing. I'm just glad God's doing something with me. Grace, 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 grace upon, grace upon, grace upon, grace.